1: You're listening to Comedy Central. From the most trusted journalists at Comedy Central, it's America's only source for news. This is The Daily Show with your host, Michael Kahn.
2: show for you tonight we're going to talk about why you'll be taking out a mortgage on your next baconator biden tries to solve israel and palestine in one lick and good news there's finally a kennedy in politics let's get to the headlines Let's kick things off with an update on the war in the Middle East. With the situation increasingly desperate, the world has been looking to the United States for a, f- a way forward. And yesterday, President Joe Biden had some good news, although he delivered it in the most Joe Biden way possible.
0: Can you give us a sense of when you think this ceasefire will start?
3: Well, I hope by the beginning of the weekend. I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close Not the
2: most dignified way to deliver world-changing news. It does remind me of the photo of Obama's team watching that bin Laden raid while making balloon animals. Now, (laughs) in Joe Biden's defense, he had the ice cream first. It's not like they asked him about Gaza, and he said, hold on, if we're going to talk about war, I got to get a mint chip. (laughs) No, he was in an ice cream store about to eat ice cream, and some reporter jumped in and said, what about Gaza? This is why I don't think we should have a free press. (laughs) Personally, I don't think anyone should be asked about Israel-Palestine while they're eating ice cream. I thought that was like an unwritten rule. I'm holding a tiny cylinder topped with a giant misshapen dairy blob that immediately starts melting on all sides. I've got one tiny little napkin for some reason. You think Israel-Palestine is a crisis? I'm dealing with something here. (laughs) I'll tell you what, if I was a politician, I would always have an ice cream with me, just to cram in my mouth in case I got asked about (laughs) Israel-Palestine. It's not a good strategy for Mitch McConnell, though. That guy already has brain freeze. Kobe! (laughs) Now, despite Biden's prediction, both Hamas and Israel say they're not actually close to a ceasefire but I'm not surprised that Biden was so optimistic. When you're holding a freshly scooped ice cream cone, (laughs) everything feels like it's gonna be okay. That's why it's the official food of telling your kid you're getting a divorce. (laughs) Ice cream. It is your fault, kiddo. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't blame Biden for talking about that stuff while he was eating ice cream. What I do blame him for is, why does he open his mouth so early in the process? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I typically open my mouth when the food gets there. I, I don't need a lot of prep time. And he did one other thing that I found pretty disturbing. no
3: better combo. <laughs> that is... We've got
4: mint
2: Dude! The sneeze guard is there for a reason. <laughs> Republicans are right. Biden doesn't really respect borders. (laughs) Impeach! Impeach! Although I will say, I am impressed by how flexible his shoulders are. I didn't think he could do that. Based on what I've heard from Jon Stewart, you would think his arms would just fall right off. (laughs) But let's move on to the other side of the aisle, because over the weekend, Republicans gathered for CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, It's like Woodstock for people who hate anybody who went to Woodstock. (laughs) And if you think the whole weekend was just them saying that Trump really won the 2020 election, no, 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 no. They were also singing it. I want to (laughs) overdose. If the lyrics are too subtle for you, I like how her dress gets the point across. (laughs) What she's saying, oh, I see, Trump won. But look, CPAC isn't just the best rock concert of all time. It's also an important way to find out what the current conservative priorities are. And based on the titles of this weekend's panel discussions, it's going to be a fun
3: year. CPAC 2024, where globalism goes to die. Ladies and gentlemen, does Congress even matter? Would Moses go to Harvard? What you talking about, Fanny Willis? Shooting from the hip, going full Hungarian, stopping Georgie Soros. The Bible uncanceled. God loves justice. God's children are not for sale. Babies are us. Putting our heads in the gas stove.
2: Seems like you guys might be inhaling some fumes already. (laughs) Now it's always good to have panels that sound like categories if Jeopardy! had a mental breakdown. (laughs) Let's move on to some economic news. Traditionally, Americans have eaten food at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but soon, that's going to cost you.
0: Wendy's the country's second largest burger chain with 6,000 locations announcing that starting next year, menu prices will fluctuate during the busiest times of day, meaning you could be paying as much as a dollar more for that baconator during the lunch rush. Wendy's CEO announcing his company will spend $20 million on high tech digital menu boards that can update prices in real time. Wendy's telling ABC News in a statement that the decision can allow them to motivate customers to visit and provide provide them
2: with the food they love at a great value. Shut the up. I mean... (laughs) Wow. You're providing me with food I love at a great value. Don't you hate when companies try to pretend they're not squeezing every dollar out of us? Just tell me you want all my money, dude, okay? Don't take my wallet and be like, this is good for both of us. (laughs) But, yeah, it looks like Wendy's is gonna charge more during the most popular times. And they call this dynamic pricing, or whatever. But really, this is just another tax on people who hate themselves and don't know how to cook. Although, this will be good for guys looking to impress girls. Hey, you want to go to Wendy's during the lunch rush? Ooh, all right, playa. But let's face facts. This is the wave of the future. Airlines and hotels and Uber already do this. And if Wendy's pulls this off, there's no reason why every restaurant, hell, Every place of business won't be using surge pricing soon. The emergency room will be like, look, if you can come back at 2 a.m., fixing those stab wounds will be a lot cheaper. So if you agree with me that this has to stop, there's only one natural conclusion. You need to burn down a Wendy's right now. And, and you also need to say it was your idea. That's important. For more on the surge pricing, let's go live to a Wendy's with our very own Ronnie Chang. Thank you. Ronnie, isn't this capitalism at its worst? No, this it capitalism at its worst.
4: Maybe for whiny bitches like you, Costa. <laughs> but for finance geniuses like me, this data-driven late-stage capitalism is the next gold rush. <laughs> Gold what gold what are you talking about? I'm talking about arbitrage, baby. I buy a thousand burgers at 4 a.m. when the price is low, and then I sell them high at lunchtime. That's right. <laughs> I'm flipping burgers, but in a rich way. You missed the boat, Costa. I hope you don't cry. This is crypto and
2: GameStop all over again. Moneyball, pickleball, AI. Stop yelling buzzwords. It sounds like your genius financial plan is to sell burgers that have been sitting around for eight hours. Yeah, newsflash, idiot. All fast food
4: burgers have been sitting around for eight hours. Yeah. That's why it's a stable investment. They're like if gold came with a slimy pickle on top. Oh, wait, oh wait, hang on, hang on, the market's moving. Yeah, 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 buy. I said buy 4,000 bacon acres, do it. Yeah, daddy earned his commission today. Run run
2: Are you snorting salt packets? Yeah, it's pure Himalayan, grade A. Ronnie, stop, 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 stop. You're in over your head. You can't sell 4,000 Baconators in a parking lot. People are gonna be weirded out. Hey, these people are
4: already buying chili from a redhead with pigtails in Wendy's, okay? You can't weird them out. That's why this plan can't fail unless they kick me out of the parking lot. Oh, wait, what's that? What, they're kicking me out of the parking lot? Yeah, I mean, oh, <laughs> I'm ruined. This is crypto and GameStop all over again. (laughs) I'm back to flipping burgers, but in a poor way. Who's
2: gonna buy 4,000 baconators from me? Okay. (laughs) Ronnie, I can buy one baconator.
4: (laughs) Yes, 1,000 baconators for Michael. I'm back on top. All right. Just
2: one. We'll talk about it later. Ronnie Chang, everybody. 2024 candidate leading the race for third place. Don't go away. Ronnie Chan.
3: Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back to The Daily Show. With the South Carolina primary out of the way and Michigan coming up this week, we're getting closer and closer to having just one Republican and one Democrat in the presidential race. But there's still another option. Take a look.
5: The Kennedys, an American dynasty, the Kardashians of the Capitol. We choose to go to the moon. For over a century, the steady hand of the Kennedy family has led America through its greatest challenges.
1: The hope still lives and the dream shall never
5: die. They aren't just in politics. They are politics. Ich bin ein Springfielder. And in 2024, our abnormal times call for an abnormal Kennedy. I don't like wearing shoes. I never have. This is the Daily Showography of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., immune to normal. Bobby Kennedy Jr. was born in 1954 into the most prestigious clan of... Wait, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Chris Pratt? How powerful is this family? Anyway... There he is. No. There, no. There, there. There. The third of Senator Robert Kennedy's 11 children, and the one lucky enough to share his name. Despite his proximity to power, Bobby Jr. wasn't initially drawn to the family business. Have you committed yourself to the political future? I don't think so. We can't all go. Oh, it would turn out to be the first of many things he would be wrong about. By the time get- As a young man, Bobby's unique personal story landed him a spot at Harvard. Such amazing luck. After studying law at the University of Virginia, he became an assistant district attorney in Manhattan before pausing to take part in a personal research trial of a promising new drug called heroin. Rehab and court-ordered community service had him cleaning up both himself and pollution in the Hudson River. Which led him to a career in environmental law.
2: The project that I work on is
5: is river protection. While most environmentalists are about as effective as a Trump gag order, RFK Jr. was massively successful, winning huge cases with his team of young law students and earning him the title, Hero for the Planet. And that's the end of this great man's story. Wait, there's more? Oh, shit. A year ago. In 2005, a woman came to RFK Jr. with an unbelievable story. Her son had gotten autism from childhood vaccines. And while normal people don't believe unbelievable stories, Kennedy was sold. After doing his own research, he published his findings in the acclaimed medical journal, Rolling Stone, where it was the second most important article of the month. Despite having been completely wrong, Kennedy doubled down. There's no vaccine that is, you know, safe and effective. Indeed, he developed a natural immunity to all criticism. You have said previously that no vaccine is safe or effective, which is... I, I've never said that. You did say that on, in a podcast interview no, in I, July. As his ideas spread and spread and spread, RFK Jr. gained potency for him. This fight is personal. You can hear it in his voice. We ought to be debating the science. Which was damaged by a neurological condition called spasmodic dysphonia. While doctors weren't sure how he contracted the disease, Kennedy did his own research and, surprise, blamed his annual flu shot. It occurred to me that this might be a vaccine injury. I don't know, Um, but it's certainly a possibility. Hey, who hasn't gone on WebMD and thought, oh, shit, I definitely have that? And then came his big moment, the COVID vaccine. When RFK Jr. rolled up his sleeves, it was to fight. It's the deadliest vaccine ever made. As one of the most influential voices against vaccines, he truly put the flu in influencer.
2: Mainstream media.
5: And that's when the censorship started. And I've been silenced in you know many, many ways. In the face of this silencing, there was only one thing Kennedy could do to get his message out. I've come here today to announce my candidacy for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States. Kennedy could deny his fate no longer. Like a microchip from the COVID vaccine, politics was in his DNA. And compared to his rivals, Kennedy isn't just fit for office. He's straight up jacked for
3: it.
1: You've gone viral, uh, not only with your message, but just (laughs) your
5: sheer... Masculinity. Take that, Big Pharma. This is a level of physical fitness you only get from clean living, natural foods, Don't and... take uh, testosterone replacements. Okay, so he takes little steroids, but it's organic, farm-to-table steroids. I started this campaign. Normally, a Kennedy on the ballot would coast on his family name. But Bobby Jr. is not normal. Partly because much of his family is actually opposing him, especially after he dropped out of the Democratic primary to run as an independent. But also because this Kennedy is a man of the people, living simply in Hollywood with Larry David's wife. And yes, he has name recognition. But he also has broad appeal, championing liberal ideas, conservative ideas, and every conspiracy theory known to man.
2: The COVID-19 attacks certain races. The people who are most
5: immune are Ashkenazi like, Jews and, uh, and Chinese. All the greatest hits. 5,000 satellites alone will be able to look at every square inch of the That's planet. That's why 9 out of 10 hours. alternative thinkers recommend RFK Jr., for president of the United States. A conspiracy theory is just something the government doesn't want you to hear. There's nothing normal about the 2024 election. And in a contest between a professional courtroom sketch model and a grandpa who wandered away from his family at the mall, Kennedy is still somehow the least normal candidate. Somebody snapped him walking the aisles, heading to the bathroom without any shoes or socks. Well, that's one way to do your own research. And that's why America needs to inject Robert F. Kennedy Jr. straight into its bloodstream.
3: Side effects of RFK Jr. include nausea, measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox, monkeypox, polio, and COVID-19.
2: When we come back, author Kwame Alexander will be joining me on the show, so don't go away.
3: The Daily
2: Show. My guest tonight is a number 1 New York Times best-selling author and Emmy-winning producer whose latest book is an anthology of black poets called This Is the Honey. Please welcome Kwame Alexander. this is nice yeah it's great. This is nice uh, poetry yes i mean i have to admit i was like poetry this can be a little intimidating how do you advise people who are approaching poetry for the first time to digest it yeah um i typically don't
1: advise okay <laughs> you that's know... what i do in comedy too right? <laughs> I mean, it's like when you go up on stage to deliver some fascinating stand-up, I just share a poem. Right. Um, there were these seventh graders in, in Dallas, Texas, these boys, and their teacher wanted them to get excited about poetry. Yeah. And so I went in their library and just a quick shoulder shake, a slick eye fake, number 28 is way past late. He's reading me like a book, but I turn the page and watch him look, which can only mean I got him shook. So I went through this whole poem, and at the end... <laughs> Do I, do I have to do one now? Is it like battle poems or something? No, no. no. Okay, right, your turn, yeah. But at the end, all the boys were like, oh! Right, right, right. So right, I think right. it's just, we gotta hear poetry and it's how we learned how to read yeah. and write nursery rhymes yeah. as a kid, yeah. lullabies. Yeah. We don't remember that we love poetry and I think I'm trying to, you know, remind us of that.
2: I love it. A lot of, you've written 40 books. A lot of what you write about involves sports. Right. Some people hear sports And they block it or they run away but why are sports an important metaphor for you well i mean i think they
1: remind us of things like teamwork yeah how important it is to collaborate yeah they remind us of resilience they remind us of grit you know and so i think sports is a great metaphor for our lives if you miss enough of life's free throws you will pay in the end
2: right never (laughs) let never let anyone lower your goals right i love that um you just won an Emmy for yeah. a show based off your award-winning book, The Crossover. Is that kind of why you got into poetry so you could get an Emmy? <laughs> Let's be honest. No, but this this the cro- the crossovers made right. an enormous journey. Sure. Tell me about that.
1: Sure. I mean it was a book that was rejected 22 times by right. publishers because Um, Publishers didn't think boys would read poetry or girls would read a book about basketball. And I always had the vision. I mean, I knew from a very early age because my mother had introduced me to to Dr. Seuss. You know, Fox, socks Knox, Box. Fox in socks, socks in box. Like, I've loved poetry for so long, so I know the impact that it had on my life. And so um, I knew that it would have
2: an impact on young people's lives. I listened somewhere, you said you might have been joking that you wrote the crossover at a Panera Bread. Right. Is that true? Is that? It is very true. I wrote it. Because I see people with their laptops open, and I go, there's no way that person's writing anything worthwhile right now. (laughs) But it's it's inspiring if that's true. Many people who write at coffee shops and Panera Breads are going to see this and go, holy shit. Yeah. I have have an opportunity here. I sat in a chair next to a
1: fireplace at Panera Bread in Herndon, Virginia. And yeah. I wrote every day for five hours a day. And when I won the Newbery Medal yeah. for the crossover, yeah. the manager, whose name was Skip, may he rest in peace, he put a sign up that said, "Kwame Alexander wrote the crossover I here." Love that.
2: Yeah. 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 Hey, could be worse. Could be like, "Don't serve Michael Costa at this bar," or something like that. <laughs> uh, this is this is the honey. This is an anthology of contemporary black poets. Yeah. Uh, I am very white. hmm Are you? Can I, can I tackle this? Can everybody tackle this? Here's the
1: thing. Yeah. Poetry is a way to open a, a door to possibility. Yeah. Regardless of who's writing, whether it's Mary Oliver or Nikki Giovanni whether it's Pablo Neruda or Kwame Alexander. Poetry is a way to allow us to connect with each other, to feel yeah. more empathetic, and ultimately to become better human beings. So yeah, this book is for you, yeah. this is for me, this yeah. is for us. Tell me about the title, This Is The Honey. We often think about you know Black History Month in terms of the woe right. and not the wonder. Right. We think about the tragedy and not the triumph. Right that's all valuable but i wanted to create a book that reminded us of all the beautiful things of the regular normal things and remind not only black people but americans in general that black people live love hope dream dance smile eat just like everybody else so that is this is the honey are you
2: Yeah. yeah So many stories, so many stories about black suffering. Are you seeing a change in media covering different types of stories in the black community? Well, I don't spend
1: a whole lot of time yeah. looking at what the media is doing, yeah. except watching you.
2: I mean, duh. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Come on, that's right. Um, I spend a lot more time trying to change the narrative, trying yeah. to make sure I'm doing it.
2: Yeah. So, that's right. Yeah. Um, this book is organized in a particular way. Share right. with us how this book is organized. When you wake up in the morning and
1: the sun is out, it's a new day of promise. Yeah. And so the first part of this book is, is the language of joy, of hope after you've awakened, you see the people you love and the people you care about. And so the second section is love and caring. And then you go out into the world and you're sort of faced with the challenges of what's happening. And so the third section in the book is dealing with that, those challenges, those obstacles. And of course, by the time we get to the end of the book, we are at the end of our day and we come home and we're grateful and we're around family and we and, and we offer praise. And so the last piece of the book is dealing with that
2: kind of praise. That's a wonderful synopsis of a good day. <laughs> <laughs> grateful and praise at the end of the day. I'm not always getting praise and graciousness at the end of my day, but right. maybe that's something I can strive for.
1: Well, you're 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 grateful for your family. Sure. You're grateful yeah. for your 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 mother, you're grateful for your wife, for your kids. That's true. And so at the end of the you day, hear that? <laughs> And so, and so, no matter what is happening in our world, no yeah. matter what chaos is going on, yeah. the poetry is sort of a way for us to be uplifted, yeah. to be reminded of the things that matter, family, love, community, hope, possibility.
2: Also sex. I mean, your poems, there's some sex in there. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean... That's where we, that's where we are is, now? It, it, is that the hope part? <laughs> Uh, it's not, you don't have to answer that if you don't want it. So, last year you, re- you released your memoir, yes. "Why Fathers Cry at Night," and it's dedicated to your two daughters. Yep. What did you? Two-part question. What did you want them to get from this? And I'm a father of two daughters. What should I get from this? Here's the deal. I mean,
1: as men, we don't often talk about matters of our heart. We don't talk about it with each other. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I came to a point in my life where I realized that it wasn't serving me any longer, right. you know? And um, my nephew, his name is Jordan, we were in Target with my, um, my, my daughter was shopping, she's a teenager, and we were in Target, and my nephew and I, who's nine, we were dancing in the aisles. Right. And we had a good time, and, and when we got home, you know, later his mother, my sister, she called and she said, Kwame, Jordan said he wants... He can't wait to grow up to be an uncle like you. Aww. Right? Right. And so... Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's the kind of man I want to be who has those type of relationships with the people he loves and who, and who love him.
2: And so I wanted to write about that as an exploration. What can I... I mean, you know... Man, there's some beautiful stuff in here, and it's poetry... Yep. Uh, advice... Then there's a recipe for fruit punch, <laughs> you know? Right. And I'd like every page, I'd be like, what's next? Right. Uh, as someone who's parenting two daughters, what, what do I need to do? Whether even right, in the book right. or just in life, tell me. Listen. F- <laughs>
1: Listen, okay. hey, it's no, it's yeah. no secret. There's yeah. no way around it. We got to listen yeah. to our daughters. When I, when I was a kid and got in trouble, my mom would send me to the room because I hated being alone. And she, I would be in my room. I hate that woman. I hate that woman. And she'd come in and, and she'd recite a poem or, or, or right. sing a song to make me laugh. I did the same thing with my 15-year-old. I tried to make her laugh when she was upset. And she said, Dad, you know, it's okay to sit with your anger.
2: <laughs> and I was like, whoa, yeah. mind blown. Yeah. I think we got to listen to our kids, man. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Um, uh, Poets are always asked to read poems at interviews, and I just, you know, I I love that comics don't have to do that. Right. You know, I think it's like, you're here to hang and promote your book. Why are we going to put you to work? But I I really love 10 Reasons Why Fathers Cry at Night Mm. from this, from your memoir. Would you mind reading it for us? Sure, sure. Um, And this really resonated with me very much.
1: So, shout out to my two daughters, Nandi and Samaya. When Nandi was a teenager, she came home and said those words no father ever wants to hear. She said, Dad, I want to go on a date. Oh. (laughs) And I said, maybe when you're 30. (laughs) So, you got little ones. Yeah. Enjoy that moment. Yeah. Because when they become 15 and 16, it's another life, man. Well, that's
2: why I read this and put it down and I had to take some deep breaths and then I took a picture of it and texted to my wife and she's like don't send me this it's too sad and and (laughs) you know but it's just it's capturing this human feeling so please if you don't mind thank you very much 10 reasons why fathers cry at night
1: one because teenagers don't like park swings or long walks anymore unless you're in the mall Two, because holding her hands is forbidden and kisses are lethal. Three, because school was fine, her day was fine, and yes, she's fine, so why is she weeping? Four, because you want to help, but you can't read minds. Five, because she's in love, and that's cute, until you find his note asking her to prove it. Six, because she didn't prove it. Seven, because next week she's in love again, and this time it's real, she says her heart is heavy. Eight, because she yearns to take long walks in the park with him. Nine, because you remember the myriad woes and wonders of spring desire. And ten, because with trepidation and thrill, you watch your teenage daughter who suddenly wants to swing all by herself.
2: Oh, crushes me. Uh, This is The Honey and Why Fathers Cry at Night are both available now. Kwame Alexander, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this.
3: Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000.
0: And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast.
3: Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: That's our show for tonight. Now here it is, your moment of zen.
5: President Biden is about as popular as as scurvy, the president is about as popular as cholera. He's about as popular as a colonoscopy. About as popular as robocalls, as herpes, fever blister. The president is polling right up there with, um, with chlamydia.
3: Explore more shows from the Daily
1: Show podcast universe by searching The Daily Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.